Welcome to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. The purpose of this show is to have fun talking about small business stuff. And along the way, we're going to give you knowledge and tools to succeed with your small business, whether you're just starting out. This is day one. This would be great if you're just starting out today for the first time. And and or helping you if you've been established and around for quite a while. Either way, we can help you. I'm Jack Mancini, and I'm here with my business partner, Adam Sunholder. You know, that word stuff, it's hard to say that word not smile, isn't it? It is, and it just means so much. It, it makes the point. We talk communication here all the time. That's right. When you say stuff, somehow magically people know <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> they know about. what stuff you're talking about. All right. <clears throat> yeah, we're here, we're here each week to share a combination of our experience personally with having owned and operated 20 companies as well as some corporate careers early on, but also helping coaching owners of small companies, hundreds of them over the years, and the stories we've got from there. Hundreds, millions, yeah. no, just hundreds. That's all right. So our, our, our purpose like here, sometimes. Yeah, our purpose here on the, on the Dirty Secrets of Small Business show is to share a lot of those stories and guidance and wisdom um, to help let you know that whatever you're facing, challenge, opportunity, whatever it might be, it's not the first time. Maybe it's the first time for you, but it's happened a lot around. And there's lots of ways and lots of opportunities. There's not, not necessarily one answer to, to, to things. There's some op, you know some different ways to maybe look at stuff. I bet you we got a lot of listeners out there, Adam. A lot of listeners who have those how questions and would love to talk to us. That's right. So we like to help you wrestle with those things, and we're going to help uh, help you figure some of those things out today. We have a great show planned for you today. Why don't you let them know what we have on tap here today, Jack? Okay. First segment is going to be common myths of small business ownership and one of my favorite words is that we're going to debunk that myth you can't say that word without smiling either that's, that's right good. we're All just right. we're just going to pick one we could pick many in fact we will over the over the weeks we'll pick many we have picked many already and we'll continue to do that we like debunking common myths of small businesses that's segment one segment two is a dirty secret of the week we will explore something going on in business that really is a secret, depending on how you look at it, but it's a secret, and we're going to explore that. A how-come question is a third segment in which literally we're going to start with a question mark on two words, how come, question mark, how come this or that exists? And what I've done is ponder since the last time we've talked an issue that's popped up. And how come this this issue exists? We're going to play around with that a little bit. We usually have a lot of fun with it. And the fourth one is a small business success story. Adam's going to chronicle a a success story from one of our many clients that have been successful. And we're going to also have a little fun and education with that. As always, we invite you to be part of the show. You can either call us here in the studio at 440-946-9468, or you can email us at radio at MaximumVP.com. If you have a story you want to share, or you have one of those how questions Jack was talking about, where you've just been scratching your head wondering, how do I do whatever? How, do I, how can this happen? Uh, be happy to share that with us to see if we can either respond to you both on the air as well as through email as well. Again, that's radio at MaximumVP.com. You know, most small business owners, small. Small, that's right. That's another word, small. <laughs> uh, most small business owners are, are stuck in a state of how. What does that mean? That's what we feature as business coaches. We like to say we help you small businesses out there, you small business owners get unstuck from that state of how. The questions are plentiful. 
They can be very vexing, they can be very frustrating, and they can be very simple. And with our knowledge, and we've been doing this for 15 years together, business coaching, we have seen, I'm not going to say we've seen it all, but boy, I'll tell you, it comes close with the small business world. And we define small businesses as 1 to 25 employees, cuts across any industry. So no matter what you do, chances are we, uh, we could probably give you a little guidance and some ideas that it's going to smooth the way. We help owners of all shapes and sizes, uh, big or small or in between, and it's usually the small businesses that we work with. And the reason being is that the answers and solutions and resources available to a small business are often very different than a large business. So while somebody from a large business might be able to give you some guidance that makes sense, it doesn't really quite fit or apply to a small business. That's where our expertise kind of fits in. So if you'd like to chat with us, please feel free when we're not in the air to give us a call at 877-849-0670. Again, that number is 877-849-0670. And check us out on the web at MaximumVP.com. You can learn more about us, see a few case studies up there as well about some small business owners that we've helped out as well. All right, we're going to get into the debunking part of our show. Debunk. And our, our myth this week that we're going to debunk, and I know there will be a huge cheer from the crowd for this one. <laughs> all right. Collectively, we'll be able to hear it from here. So the myth is all business owners are independently wealthy. Boy, isn't that true? I assume that. <laughs> <laughs> boy, oh boy, if it were only the case... And I know most of you owners out there are breathing a sigh of relief that, okay, this is a myth that needs to be taken on and challenged, that they aren't all independently wealthy. But if you spend time reading any newspapers, watching TV, undoubtedly you'll hear a version of this, that you know most owners aren't draining the bank account whenever there's money in there. That's not how it works. And they aren't rolling around in cash. And there's often some confusion. We talk about financials a lot in numbers. And people will hear revenue or sales numbers and maybe they're in the hundreds of thousands or the millions of dollars and not unusual for a small business that's sales that's sales right top line that's what when somebody comes in here and they plunk down their credit card and and uh, basically walk out with a $50 purchase those are sales not to be confused with profit. Profit left over after all the expenses are, are paid out. And uh, it's, uh, usually some portion of those profits will go into the owner's pockets. Not, I say usually because it's not always the case. So often profits have to be reinvested in the business. But yes, you know, some of that profit often gets put into the owner's pockets. But the profit usually is a small fraction of what those sales or revenues are. Oh, I don't believe you, Adam. I think there's two sets of books, and these owners all make a lot of money, and they hold back and squeeze everything out of us that they can. Wait a minute. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> like somebody That's not how I think. It's, like somebody it's takes what I hear Jack's a lot. body. All right. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a common myth that, again, if you own a company, you must be independently wealthy. And the reason we want to bring it up is I think there are several owners that, that try to buy into that from the standpoint of they almost feel like they have to portray that. And they're almost living a lie to a certain extent. They feel the pressure to kind of live big, so to speak. i got to get a bigger house or a big car and all this. And we're saying it's a bunch of nonsense. It is a bunch of nonsense. You know, and uh, the way the world's moving uh, in, in the direction it's moving, big ostentatious wealth is not necessarily the, the thing it used to be many decades, many decades ago. That's right. 
So we have we have stories of lots of clients that have had some good successes, but it's not necessarily always there. You know, we have a client who's holding checks after five years in business. You know, gets the check cut and brings it home so he can show his spouse, but they don't cash that one yet. Well, the <laughs> cash isn't quite there yet to be able to take it, right? Or another client that, you know, after after a decade, he's finally regularly paying himself. After a decade. He used to just kind of take money when he needed it, or, 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 or if some money was there, he would take it. But he's finally gotten to the point where he's, he's been able to get this planning down to get the company to the point where he's able to plan out to be able to take regular money out. Now, that, oh, sounds yeah. probably, that sounds probably kind of silly to most people. But most owners we know, re, you know can relate to that tremendously. Well, what does independently wealthy mean? What is wealth? You know, we gotta we got to go technical for about 30 seconds here and uh, introduce people to what wealth is. Wealth is growing net worth. It's, it's not so much the paycheck. It's not even the profits of the company. It's you growing net worth. So in other words, if you own a house, if you own it free and clear, your net worth is, and that's all you own, that net worth is the value of that house, market value. If you own money or owe debt on it, it's that value less, that debt. So if you get a big net worth, you're considered wealthy. Not that you get a big paycheck, it's net worth. And to be independently wealthy, to me, a simple definition is that you can do whatever you want to do pretty much when you want to do it. That's independently wealthy. Now, if you've grown up in your 60s, 50s, whatever the number may be, 40s, and you you haven't been a, a product of spending money lavishly, chances are when you do come into your your definition of independently wealthy is much different than someone who who knows how to spend money and hopefully can. If they can, then they'll, they'll spend big. But somebody who has not learned to and experienced spending big isn't going to. I don't know if I'm, I'm no, rambling. I'm a in point, a ramble Jack. mode. That's okay. I think people do confuse often that paycheck with wealth. And you know, probably one of the biggest assets when it comes to, to net worth that most owners have is the company. That's it isn't right. necessarily their house, but it's the company. And it's not liquid. What I mean by that, you can't turn it into cash real easily. you got to sell it, which is not an easy thing so to how do. Can, how to can do. we talk about this without getting a little technical? Yeah. Almost impossible. Yeah. But well, again, there is a lot of confusion between paycheck and, and wealth. And paychecks can lead to some wealth. To your point, if you aren't on a spending spree of you know just spending it all. You yeah, save a big some consumer. And, yeah. A big, big-time consumer. Right. So, but, yeah, the, well, wealth is accumulation of assets and net assets, really. So it's assets that are free and clear or assets that have some debt on it. The net result of those two simple calculations uh, is what wealth would be called anyway well, that's we'll have a big, to spend another that's a big driver for for many of the for the owners to be able to know that hey you know i'm trying to increase the value of this company long term because eventually they, they, they'd like to transition out of the company and sell it to somebody else and they know they'll have a nice payday there to help them achieve that independent wealth status that they're kind of seeking for that is correct though so but With it's an a, o <laughs> So that's you know, that's a key thing we wanted to kind of debunk here is that people assume that, that, that there's all this money going into to the owner's pockets. Not, not necessarily the case. They're reinvesting a bunch of it in the company to make that asset more valuable for them. All right, stick around. When we come back, we're going to be revealing the dirty secret of the week. Can't wait. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches. We can help. 
owners of small companies defined as 1 to 25 employees, any industry. We can help you get unstuck from a state of how that I know you have how questions every day. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sunhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP. Remember those initials. You can remember it by saying, what, Adam? Most what am valuable I player. That is correct, though. That's how you can think of Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches who help owners get unstuck from a state of how. Any company you're involved with, any industry, we can help. We've, we've answered how questions thousands of times to many small business owners with great success, and I know we can help you, too. All right, we're at the point of our show where we have the, the shows. Uh, well, the title is called Dirty Secrets of Small Business, and we like to reveal a dirty secret every week and talk about it and give some examples of it. And if you want to be part of it, if you have some dirty secrets you wouldn't mind sharing here on the air or that you want to you know, get to us somehow, you can give us a call here in the studios. We're here every Monday from noon to 1 Eastern. The phone number in the studio is 440-946-9468. Again, that number is 440-946-WINT. If you don't want to be on the air but prefer to do it through email, you can email us at radio at MaximumVP.com. Very good. All right, so our dirty secret this week is real simple. Most family businesses are a total mess. Amen, brother. He didn't say all family businesses are a total mess. Most. Most. And we have, we have dealt with hundreds of companies, and if we were to apply percentages of family-owned businesses and with the objective of determining what percentage is a mess, I would say that number would be over 80 for sure. That's a pretty. It's a pretty high. It's yeah. that's why it's most. That's a good point, Jack. That's most, yeah. not all. And family businesses will each have their own definition of normal. What is normal? Okay, and so, <laughs> and many f- for many, normal is what you would consider normal, which is good, and it's running efficiently, and uh, it's more of a meritocracy. People do well, whether they're. Wait, wait. That's a good word. Okay. What is that? So it's based on people doing. You know. They're going to achieve success based on their own actions. Right. And that's if they're one doing of well. Ignatius words. Is that what it is? And, and that's a good thing. That helps educate us, too. That's <laughs> good. I educate all the St. Ed's folks listening. That's Oops, good. So that's, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's right. Versus the, the, the family name being the, the, the driver of who's promoted, who's doing well, who's being paid what. And so, again, there are some that do, it, that do it well that way, but there are many who don't, where it's really based more upon the relationships that, that exist. And it, it may extend beyond just family and, and, and the last name to people who are friends that have, are kind of like family because they've known the family for so long that they get treated that way as well. And it becomes a very, becomes, I don't say divisive to a certain extent where you've got the family and everybody else kind of thing. And that's very tough to run, to run a successful company that way. Well, they hire, they hire for trust in the relationship, not necessarily skill and competence. And there's not a lot of objectivity there. Much like one of the, the previous shows that we, we talked about why businesses fail, small businesses fail, they bring in people, they, they, they listen to friends and family who are well-intentioned, 
but don't have the basic skills because they don't know what they don't know, they being the people hiring them. So they start with family and friends and, you know, having Thanksgiving dinner with somebody, my cousin and, and uncle, is a heck of a lot different than working with them every day. It just doesn't work well. The objectivity, the skills, the, you know, the arm's length uh, relationship when you start together, and then evaluating them as they go down the line, it gets muddled up. And I know you small business owners out there know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, we had a client we took on a few years back, and the, the company is going through a bit of a transition from one generation to the next. And wouldn't you know it, after about three decades, they made their first non-related hire, non-family-related hire. That's right, three years. And you look at the, the, the family tree, and you know, it starts with you know, spouses and, and kids and siblings, and then it extends beyond that to in-laws and cousins, and you, know, you keep going off different branches of the tree where they're going to start to you know, be able to add people to it. You know, eventually, you run out of folks who are related to you to start to bring in. But part of the challenge of that is you then try to shoehorn people in, and you try to find roles for them. Now, we say some pretty outlandish things at times. We tell our clients at times, look, why don't you pay so-and-so not, not to come show. to work? Right. They said, what do you mean? He said, look, it'd be more beneficial to the business to just pay him a salary to not come in here every day. That's right. You know, people, people assume if you're sleeping with the boss, you're going to have an advantage. And you know what? They're right. right. <laughs> <laughs> it can help quite a bit. There might be some internal strife, but basically, as far as the business goes, you're never going to convince people otherwise. It's, it's just hard to make objective decisions on the family. It just is. Um, you know, you got older brothers or sisters, mom and dad. You ultimately are going to develop favorites. You, you just do because they're, they're already known to you and, and the pressure of upsetting them versus somebody who ultimately I have control over. I don't have to see him on Thanksgiving for dinner. I, I can, you know, fire him and be done with it. Those are the kind of things that pop up and, and it's demoralizing often to, you know, the employees who are working there for, you know, because that's their livelihood. Sure. They don't like to get tangled up with nepotism, and, and uh, that's well, a well most people word, by the way. It is, huh? Because yeah. that's how they get into St. Ed's or what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So most, most people will just, most people who are not a family will just. That's, that's right. Okay. <laughs> and th they want to succeed and do well. And they'll do it in spite of the challenges that are there. But one of the biggest mistakes we've seen, um, Jack, is that people will come in and they'll have multiple kids involved. Or they only have one, maybe one kid involved, but they won't expressly say, here's the plan. Hey, the plan is I'm going to anoint this son or this daughter as the heir apparent. Okay? And so it goes, it goes unsaid or it gets said here once or and then it gets denied over here. It becomes, it becomes kind of an internal joke. Like nobody has any idea what's going on. And so just, you know, be up front and say, here's what the plan's going to be. And a big challenge often, though, is, too, is if the next generation has never worked anywhere else, yeah, it's almost a recipe so. for, for, for disaster because a couple things. All they know is working for family. And if you've never worked for anybody who's not family, you aren't quite sure how to handle that, what I'll call that boss-employee relationship. Yeah, it's just literally uh, inexperienced, and, and it, it causes problems. You don't develop the instincts coming into your family business. 
you know, hey, mom and dad are running this place, and I'm their parent, or they aren't going to tell me, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, people are very afraid to uh, approach that son or daughter because of the power they have. Very right. tough. Yeah. So it becomes tough from that standpoint. Also, it becomes very tough from the standpoint that if, the, if, if that's all I know is a family business, then what all they know is in terms of how somebody leads the organization. It's how mom and dad are doing it. And so, well, there's certain things that mom or dad can do or say because they've got a few decades of experience, and if, if they've built the company from the ground up, they have a certain amount of respect and trust that's been earned over that time. Well, that doesn't just get handed off like a simple baton that I'm passing you as, you know, as running on the track here. It, it, it doesn't happen that quickly. You've got to earn that respect of the people. They don't just give it to you right away because you're your last name or you're, you're part of the family. And it's, it, it's, it's key for that, for that next generation to understand that you can't be your mom or dad. You've got to be you, okay? And, and you, you've got to be very aware because it's, it's not a very enviable position in, in many ways to be in that seat. Everybody on the outside looks. Hey, I'd love to be that, you know, be, be part of that. But it's a, it's a tough spot to be in as well. Well, look at look at the transition issues that we have, and and you know, uh, owners of small businesses will basically start with their attorney or accountant to talk about a transition, and basically what they're doing is is neglecting the fact that the son or daughter who's working with the company and is going to take it over, isn't ready to do it. And, hey, Adam, you know, I'm your dad here. I'm going to have you follow me around for six months, and I'll teach you everything you need to know about the company. Well, it doesn't work that way. You know, the transition basically is, uh, for what we teach as coaches, is to watch that son or daughter present and have that son or daughter convince all the employees that they're ready because they're going to present the company to the employees as well. They're going to run the, the key planning uh, issues and, and, and uh, meetings that involve key employees. They've got to win them over. That kind of stuff is very important to do, and it's often not done. The baton is passed to... The, the 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 baton is passed to the son or daughter, and they aren't ready for it. And it's everybody kind of knows like, it. like a hot potato. Here it is. You take it and run with it, and you, you know, do your best. And I'm not have to worry about it anymore because I'm now no yeah, longer in for that seat, right? That's right. You know, I used to sell shoes, and we're a leather tanning company, so I got to know everything that's going on, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> or whatever the product is, and so, the transfer is. So it's key to be very, very aware of that. If, as you bring family into the business, just to be aware that, um, <coughs> you know, like many things that, that Jack said, you know, if you're if you're sleeping with the boss, you have certain things. There's certain influence you have to be aware of, and be very, very conscious of that, and be very communicative about it, and be very aware of having a more of a meritocracy where people are going to be promoted and doing well based on them succeeding. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you discriminate against the family, but don't just prop them up because they yeah, are but family. The, the, the bar should be raised higher, that's for sure, you right. know, and, and adhere to that. And like you say, be very, very conscious of it because most people are, are running scared with, with that. Yeah, and the ones who do it well, that's why there's about one in three that transition from, from one generation to the second generation. Right. And that's Because the ones who are doing it well are able to do it. So th there are answers there, but just you have to be very, very aware of that stuff. All right, stick around. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be digging into Jack's brain here to see what he's been pondering with our How Come mm, yes. section of our show here. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Lencini with Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches, and we can help you get unstuck. 
from that state of how, no matter what your business is. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP. Most valuable player, that's the way to think of us. We're business coaches and we help owners of small companies and we define small as one to 25 employees in any industry. We help those small companies, you guys out there. We help you get unstuck from the state of how. Once you wrestle with all those how questions on your own. We've helped hundreds and we can help you. There's no question in our mind about that. I've used that, that analogy, the MVP, most valuable player, a lot. And I guess the, the key I want to make sure people hear, it's not that they bring us on to be their MVPs. It's we help to make those owners the MVPs of their business. That's what our coaching is really That's about. Good, good. Yeah, you're right. That's very good uh, Good clarity. Because whether they like it or not, they got that. that's a role that, that's, that comes with, with being an owner. So, All right, so we're going to be digging into our how come section here, which is we're going to have a chance to see what Jack's been pondering here. And he's going to start with a question. Pondering for weeks. How oh, come? no, one week. How come? How come this? How come that? If you have your own how come questions that you've been pondering for a while, I'd like to get some answers or some insights to, you can reach us here in the studio every Monday from noon to 1 Eastern. The number here in the studio is 440-946-9468. If you prefer to email us, you can do that as well at radio at MaximumVP.com. All right, Jack, what do you got in your mind for us today? Batter up, right? Okay. How come? More and more local and state governments are not taking care of the infrastructure needs defined as roads and bridges and water lines and all those boring kind of things in many established cities that have been put, put in hundreds of years ago or at least 100 years ago. And how come that's not being done? How come the, the, the spokesmen for these, these cities and states, they say that there's no money for it? You believe that? I think that's total nonsense. But do you believe that? <laughs> what do you believe? That there's no money for it, or they haven't that been investing no in it. There's no money for it. Well, they certainly haven't been investing in it. That's why that when, they, when they're somebody in disrepair. <coughs> but why isn't there more money for it? When somebody uses that, I'll call it as an excuse that there's not money for something. Let's take this aside from from the the, the government's jack. If somebody tells you that. It's the same to me as somebody telling you, I don't have time for that, Jack. So that's simple code, which is you haven't given me enough reason to understand why what you're saying to me is that important that I should either A, make time for it, or B, dedicate funds to it. It's a very good way to look at it. So setting priorities, isn't that the job of our elected officials to set priorities with, <laughs> with whatever monies well, are available? No, I think their job is to get reelected, isn't it? Well, that's in their minds, not oh, okay. in our minds. Okay. <laughs> so they've done a good job of getting us kind of, uh, uh, how do we want to say it, screwed? Confused? <laughs> <laughs> Fighting with each other? Yes. Well, one of the biggest reasons is I was pondering, and that led me to start to look at areas that I wouldn't normally be looking at, right? Mm -hmm. But one of the biggest reasons is the public pensions and the benefits that elected officials and unelected officials have gotten. Now. They don't mess with benefits, Jack. Those are untouchable. Oh, man, you're telling me. I mean, depending on who we're talking to, we know who those are who would be just like that response. But we have in this country right now an underfunded. Do you know what underfunded is, Adam? It means it 
can't support. Pensions, I'm talking pensions and yeah. benefits. It means if, if they had to cash it all out today, what people are owed, they couldn't they couldn't pay the bills. They don't have the money. It's like being underwater in your house. If you owe more on the house than the house worth in the market. That's that's right. So they, so they like to refer to these decisions. We were talking about priorities here. These decisions that aren't made, as our elected officials dutifully should be doing them, they aren't made, so they don't get done. And they like to refer to this as kicking the can down the mm. street. Yes, the proverbial can. It must be a big can. Get harder to kick these days. Well, let me so tell you how big. It. Yeah, let me tell you how big this can is. Five trillion dollars. That starts with a T. Five trillion. How many zeros in that trillion? How many zeros in a trillion? And this six. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a politician. My my interest is getting elected. So I'm going to tell you, hey, I don't want the the you know the state unions pretty much and the federal unions and and the city unions coming after me. So I'm going to give you. I'm going to give them what they're asking for: an increase, an increase in pensions, an increase in benefits. And, hey, we'll pay for it down the line, even though the demographics say the workforce to support that in a traditional way isn't going to be sufficient to so handle so it. So it's this $5 trillion number. $5 trillion. With 12 I'm zeros. Still scratching okay. my head on that so one. So $5 trillion is what? That's the un unfunded, unfunded amount. So that's not the total amount. It's just the unfunded amount. Unfunded amount, oh, okay. correct. So How much is the total amount? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't uh, that, that, I didn't find multiples that. of that. Okay. Has to be. Has to be. Underfunded by $5 trillion. Unions drive it, pretty much, and politicians give it away. That, in a nutshell, is, is how to phrase it. And we can talk like we usually do when no one has anything better to, to justify it, say, well, it's all legal, and, and it is legal. You know, we're committed legally to, to spend this money. So there are countries around the world right now that have been doing this longer than, than us. Greece, for example. And... They're laying off government workers. They're, they're, their country is in total disrepair. It's People aren't jumping into the ocean, and we aren't able to start all over again, but that's what's going to happen. Some people and some organizations are going to lose a lot of money because no one's going to find $5 trillion to pay off these things. So how's that going to be done? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't have the answer. Okay, where are we going with this stuff, though? Uh, you know, do we and when will it start to live within our means? Because that's what we're talking about here. You know, you can't have government at all level promising things down the future. That, that is absolutely terrible because it's not done well, it's not done professionally, and there's no accountability for these people. How can we keep messing with tax rates? I think to your point, I mean, shouldn't there be a certain percentage that just, uh, you know, makes sense to have taxes to go support some of the stuff that we all agree is, you know, is important, you know, infrastructure, having certain things that we all can agree are, are, are part of the government function. Yet everybody messes with the friggin' tax codes all the time. All the time. And you hear phrases like paying their fair share and this and that. Okay, well, look, to me, if you look at it from a percentage basis, there should be a percentage that people are paying for taxes, and that should be able to be used to cover whatever those expenses are going to be versus constantly having to... If I try to make an analogy to the business here, well, if all of a sudden you can't pay your bills, well, 
If raising taxes means what? You just raise your prices to your, to your customers? Well, My customers can decide to go somewhere else, but if <laughs> if you're paying taxes, if you, you can not pay your taxes, that's one choice you, you have. But you better get you know get you, know, you better look good in orange, I guess, if you're going to do that. But yeah, pretty much. In business, you can't just raise prices to make that start to happen. Well, I think so many elected f- officials who are basically making these priorities don't understand business, like so many business owners don't understand business. Businesses is prevalent and it gets all kinds of pats on the head but most people don't truly understand it uh as an example one president uh several years back was touring the the cleveland area here where we live and he was in front of a group uh one of these town hall meetings where they supposedly have random questions and uh this one guy who owned a pizza shop one of my favorite places he uh uh he he had a question on taxes and you can't keep raising taxes eventually you know i'm not going to have any profits if we keep raising taxes and the president looked at him in in all honesty and just said well hey all you got to do is raise your prices now mm-hmm. uh, you know the whole the whole room almost stopped because there are a lot of business people in there and that's the solution god you know why didn't i Boy, think of that why, of, why can't i do that moments you kind of smack your forehead oh why not think of that, right? Because it's it's so it's so obvious and so easy, right? And that's this the president of the United States saying that, and in all honesty, he believed it. He believed that was the solution, and it's astonishing, Adam, that we've we've let things go this far. So, what does far mean? Well, five trillion dollars in unfunded liabilities. Who's going to pay for that? Well. Here, here's a here's another analogy. We bring it back to business here for a second, Jack. Because I think what you see there is you see people sp- you know, spending money is easy to do, right? Especially with somebody else's money. Absolutely. And so we'll mm-hmm. often see this with folks who own companies. And we had a client early on that, that this was happening, where they were borrowing money, borrowing money from the bank to make sure that they could make distributions to themselves as owners. That's that's right. I remember that. And uh, the you don't do it in, that way. Uh, yeah, like come up with accounts like, well, you got six figures in debt here. Well, what's that from? Well, look, see, last several years you've been paying yourselves. You've been paying yourself above what the profit showed you could you could you know pay yourself. So you're you're going into debt for this. So they're okay spending the bank's money the way that they were spending it because it's not theirs. It's it's so easy. You you get detached. You get detached from the the responsibility and the. The pain, if you will, of not having money to meet your obligations—you don't—it's not even a—it's not even a consideration. They're—they're they're thinking of getting elected, not solving the company's or the country's problems, and that's what happens. So yeah, that's that they can also trillion. they can also try to blame somebody else, right? That's always a—that's always a popular thing to be able to do as well, and that's tough when you own a company. The buck well, stops there, right? I, I want to come back to the to the infrastructure stuff. That's why the roads seem to be crumbling more, and 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 detours and orange barrels are up uh, a little bit more. Where's that headed? We got to give the five trillion out before we can address those properly. And some stuff is being made. It's a squeaky wheel, that's for sure. But. That's it on pensions and benefits. You've got enough of pension and benefits. All right. So the message is to make sure you're not outspending what you can afford. And it's different when it's your money versus somebody else's. And start, I guess, too, start digging into some of the stuff that's out there as well. To your point, it takes some time to research this stuff. But it's important things that are impact all of us as it relates to the, the overall um, state of our, our political system and, w- and what our 
elected officials are doing for us or to us. So we can make a difference if we get involved. All right. Well, stay tuned. When we uh, when we come back, we're going to figure out how do you get the business to run smoothly and grow when you're not there. Mm. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We can help you get unstuck from those how questions that you have. Guaranteed. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sunhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches who help owners of small companies get unstuck from the state of how. You know, we've helped hundreds of small business owners defined as 1 to 25 employees. That's how big your company is. We sometimes go outside that boundary, but 90% of our clients fit that definition. Any industry makes no difference. We can help you get unstuck from that state of how, those how questions that, that perplex you. We've answered thousands of them, and we can answer yours, too. That's right. And we're at the point of our show where we're going to have a client success story that we're going to talk about. And this one, it has to do with how do you get the business to run smoothly and grow even if you're away from the business? That's a, I think that's one of the, the, the dreams that most people have when they first start a company is they want to get the company to the point where they can just, let's say, go on cruise control. But if, if they go away for a while, the things are going to run without them necessarily having to be there. And it often takes some time to get there but it's certainly very, very doable. Uh, but you don't want to just leave it. That's not necessarily the answer either, because you can do that and it might be okay for, uh, for a few weeks or a few months, but you're going to then see the impact of that six months down the road where you've kind of well, neglected gotta, it for a little gotta bit. You've got to perform on what we, what we like to teach are the seven keys to success. That's right. And those seven keys, basically, if you master those, it's guaranteed that you are going to be successful. Your company is going to be successful, and we define success as growing sustainable profits. And in order to be profitable, you've got to have a fairly smooth-running company. And if you have a smooth-running company and you're profitable, you can do pretty much what you want to do. You make it sound so simple, Jack. You know, it is. I, I, it's after not all easy. After these years, not that's easy, right. but it, simple. That, that's a good distinction because right. it's very true. So our seven keys to success Jack was talking about, that's one of the things we work with all of our clients on. If you check out our website at MaximumVP.com, we have a menu item there called the MVP Playbook. And you click on that, and you'll see one of the links there is for the seven keys to success. It has a nice little graphic visual that shows the seven keys that are there. You can either download it to your computer, or you can print it off if you'd like to print it off as well and have it in front of you. Um, the couple that, that are the most poignant to this story are the organization plan and the profit plan. So those are number four and number two in terms of the seven keys to success. And they're the, 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 the very key for this, for this company. And this playbook is just like the NFL, isn't it? Probably it, better. It is. Yeah, depending on what team in the NFL. <laughs> We're from so Cleveland, so if you look at Cleveland's playbook, I think our plan is better than, than theirs, <laughs> even though we aren't coaching football. We could, you know, we could just sidetrack here for a second. We could do as well as all the millions, hundreds of millions being pumped into that organization. We could do exactly what they're doing with chances of, of coming out better, but at least doing what they, we could coach like NFL coaches and feel the team and do everything that's required there. 
and still have an 0 and 11, yeah, 0 and 12, or whatever it's going to be, whatever it is, or something, yeah, right whatever. Now. Yeah, if, if not winning is, we talk about a lot from from a business standpoint to uh, to lose money. It's not hard to do. It's very easy. Yeah. That's so right. if you have enough of it, you can keep on just losing it until it's until gone. It's gone. Right? That's correct. So fortunately, this client wasn't doing that <laughs> and uh, was focused very hard on getting the right people on board, which is a big part of it because, um, you know, for this client, you know, they you know, w w would try to make sure that, that they would take vacations every year. It was key for their relationship to kind of, you know, get away for a while. But like many owners, what that meant was you were just working from a different zip code. Because you're still working, you just didn't happen to be working in the office or uh, locally. You're on vacation or working from somewhere else. Whether it be checking emails, responding to phone calls, doing whatever it's you know needed to be done. Well, from this owner's standpoint, he realized pretty you know after a little while working with us, he started to come to the realization that he didn't have quite the right team in place, and so he had to make a few changes to the to the, to the team in order to have confidence that when he did step away, that even when he wasn't stepping away, that just the day-to-day -day stuff, it wasn't having, you know, the owner having to respond to all the challenges. You know, where all of a sudden the, the clients are calling him with, you know, w with challenges or issues that are going on. or having to kind of put the cape on and swoop in and kind of save the day. And a lot of owners get into that habit. And they do it day-to-day -day and becomes weeks, becomes months, becomes years. Well, so that becomes totally embedded. Yeah, that's, that's, that's how it is. It. And, and right. your team is waiting. They know, hey, Jackson come in and save the day, so I just got to wait long enough or create enough pain that eventually he'll put that cape on and here he comes flying in. And, uh, you know, it's very, very tough to be able to, 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 to run and get away and have the company be successful if that's happening. So if you're not worried about or, you know, if you don't want to become Captain Underpants, you know, he's a, he's a good superhero if you haven't seen that's him before. Isn't that a great name? Yeah. yeah. So if you don't want to be Captain Underpants, which is probably what you, what you don't want to be in terms of being a superhero here for your business, you got to get some good people on board. And so you know, this owner, again, over the course of about a year, was able to transform the company by transforming the people who were part of the company. Very important. Very good, good, uh, good example, Adam. Now, this is very, very tough to do, especially given his style. It took him a while to make that first change because the first person he had, he had to let go and, and change up with somebody who had been with him since almost the beginning. And it's, it's tough. It's one of the toughest things to have to do as an owner is to have to part ways with somebody, especially somebody who's been with you for 10, 15, 20 uh, years. It never, ever gets easy. It, it's never easy. It becomes, uh, I'm going to say, easier because you, you pretty much know what's what's going to happen and what the outcome is and your experience will speed it up rather than indulge too much because it could take you four hours to, to terminate somebody. So you learn through that process, but it's never easy emotionally, ever. No, but I mean, even getting to the point to pull the trigger on it without making excuses or looking past things and you know, what finally pulled it, f brought the owner to the point where, where he's ready to pull the trigger was he could see where the company was, was, was being hurt. You know, the company was, was, was losing money on certain things. The company was um, damaging relationships with the clients on certain things because certain things weren't being done that were supposed to be getting done. And so, again, it was a case of, and this, uh, again, is pretty common, where you had somebody involved early on that didn't grow with the company. That's well, like what, what, what we see and counsel on all the time is, and, and eventually this is where he got to, is ask the question, what's best for the company? 
And having somebody who doesn't quite fit for a variety of reasons, whatever those reasons may be, is hurting the performance overall of other employees and thus the performance of the company. So what's best for the company? And that means how do we maintain profitability with a culture of, of caring and inclusion that, that we want to achieve? Yeah, and usually what happens too is as the owner, your credibility gets questioned. Your team starts scratching their heads and going, well, doesn't he know? Doesn't she know that, that, that this, you know, so-and-so is not doing a good job, that they keep screwing up? Like, so don't they know any better? And often what happens is once you make that decision to make that the part ways, people say, well, you know, what took you so long? That's, you know, that's, that seems to be the common, common phrase that, yeah, what took you so long? And that was the case here, but also he found that the things he was aware of was just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what some of the, the problems were. Once that person was gone, uh, additional things started to kind of surface. So we emboldened him to start to make additional changes faster. And over the course of that year, got the company still growing as part of that. And after a couple of years, was gone for three weeks. By, you know, on vacation, enjoying a vacation. He he called in once Loved or twice it. during the during that during that time. Checked That's email right. once or twice. That was it. So actually, got to enjoy his vacation. And it's, the company's still doing well and growing and everything else. It was a you make these decisions time. that are right for the company, and there's always a relief. There's always a pressure valve that that lets off steam and stress, and you move forward. You can't be wrong when you're doing what's best for the company. That's right. All right, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Dirty Secrets of Small Business. So we invite you to tune in every Monday from noon to 1 Eastern. If you have questions beforehand, shoot us an email at radio at MaximumVP.com or give us a call, 877-849-0670. Okay, you know, we basically love our clients. We'd love to be coaching you. Why don't you contact us? We are absolutely able to answer any how question you might have. If you missed a part of this show or any of our previous shows, you can listen to them anytime, day or night. You can go on to iTunes and get our podcasts there. Uh, you can go on WINTradio.com, look in their archive programs. And you can also go to TuneIn.com. Learn more about Dirty Secrets of Small Business next Monday at noon. Hey, thanks for listening on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM and 101.5 FM. And also WINTradio.com.